Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 147, Myth Movie Night, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Yeah, the minute you said you had never seen this film before, I was like, well, we're changing it now, and here we go. It was extremely entertaining. Mm-hmm. I now would love to watch every Scooby-Doo uh, straight-to-VHS movie ever made, and I hope everybody enjoys. Yep, no, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I think in the future, we're definitely going to have to do Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. I feel like that's a good uh, sequel to this one. Do you know who would be able to choose if they were a witch or a ghost because they just have that much power? Uh, is that our new patrons? Our new patrons, Maya and Alex. Welcome, y'all. You join the ranks of supporting producer-level patrons, Philip, Eeyore, Megan, Skyla, Samantha, Sammy, Josie, Neil, Jessica, and Phil Fresh, and our legend-level patrons, Audra, Chris, Mark, Cody, Mr. Folk, Sarah, Sandra, and Jack Marie, who just got a wonderful box of vermouth uh, from Shaker and Spoon, uh, vermouth cocktails, which I thought I knew, you know, the peak of how vermouth went, but I did not. No, that's fancy. I love a good vermouth cocktail. I feel like there's so much more we could be doing with vermouth besides, you know, the classic martini. Speaking of great cocktails, Julia, you served up an absolute classic this week. Tell us about it. Yeah, so I served a Sazerac, which I feel like if you don't know the history of a Sazerac, you probably are like, yeah, you know, kind of a boring drink, seen it before in tons of bars and stuff like that. But it was actually invented in New Orleans in the late 1830s. And the Sazerac was originally named for the brand of cognac that was used in it. But by the 1870s, they swapped out the cognac for rye whiskey and then added absinthe to it as well. Usually just like a dash or a wash of absinthe, not like a full shot of absinthe. I feel like late 1800s, it's like... Everyone has lead poisoning. Let's just drink absinthe while we can. Yeah, I figure why not. And probably the most important aspect to the traditional Sazerac is the use of Pechaud's bitters, which are local to New Orleans. And it really adds this sort of like minty licorice flavor that you don't typically see in, say, like the kind of bitters that you would buy at the store. Very cool. It was absolutely delicious. And you served it in a very pretty like crystal flute looking glass. Uh, and it was a wonderful shade and made me feel like a uh, flapper. Uh, yeah, it was, it was much classier than the movie that we watched. Listen, it's all relative, man. The mid-90s, man, was a weird, weird time. Sure was. Sure was. Well, Jules, once we finish watching through all of our Scooby-Doo made-for-TV movies, um, what should we be watching, reading, listening to this week? Okay, so it's the 10-year anniversary of when Community first premiered, which if you Whoa. have not seen Dan Harmon's Community, please, please watch it. I think it's maybe one of the most influential to me tv shows that i've watched as a adult and it says a lot about how you know you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to root for the people who are shown as a protagonist but everyone in the world is flawed and can do a little bit better i love that so much it, it also um as of recording yesterday was the 20th anniversary of the west wing premiering and i cannot believe that community started only 10 years after west wing started so much happened in that decade like jesus so much oh jeez. oh boy but yeah it's a great show um all of it's on hulu so you can catch all six seasons beautiful i love that so much and you know community was a big influence on me as well and i feel like I don't know, shape the kind of art I want to make in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And I hope that we can show those who join us at our Boston show exactly what kind of art we believe in and want to make. Because I don't know, I'm just, I'm here to push boundaries in all ways in like respectful and wonderful artistic boundary pushing ways, mm-hmm. not like personal boundary pushing. Um, and I am just so excited about what we have in store for the Boston show. So please, if you are in New England, if you're in New York and want to take a drive, or if you are in Boston or have friends that go to school there, it's a wonderful time of year on October 10th to head on over for our Boston live show. Tickets are available now and you should definitely get them before the day at multitude.productions slash live. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm finishing researching the spirit segment and oh boy, it's going to be a blast. Oh, y'all don't even know. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Well, without further ado, enjoy Spirits Podcast episode 147, Myth Movie Night, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. So last week on Spirits during our Urban Legends episode, Amanda made a statement that I shouldn't have been surprised by, and yet I was. 
And we had to rectify it immediately. And it was that she had never seen Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Not once. Yeah. No, not ever. Uh, so that's what we did this week. We watched Scooby-Doo on Zombie sure Island. sure did. And I watched it at home with my uh, partner in life, love, and podcasting, Eric Silver. And you had so many wonderful opinions and interjections that I thought, let's just cut the middleman here. Let's just have you on as a Scooby-Doo expert and enthusiast. I am a Scooby-Doo expert and enthusiast. I love mysteries. Mm-hmm. I love taking down petty criminals mm-hmm. i love unmasking things and people and ideas okay so i'm here for it fantastic and you've seen this film before i definitely have okay. i remembered all of this i think i've seen it in like bits and pieces but it's very much in like the the scooby-doo canon like post cartoon when it was just like individual movies so i'm 100 percent here for it i didn't remember some of this stuff mm-hmm. which is it ridiculous it's like you can divide this movie into three distinct parts yes the first is exposition mm-hmm. the middle is it's a mystery mm-hmm. hijinks hijinks oh it's a regular scooby-doo but it's not yeah. and then the end makes no sense yep i'm so excited all right fantastic so this is the 1998 direct to tv film scooby-doo on zombie island To quote the Wikipedia page, it, quote, contains a darker tone than most Scooby-Doo productions and is notable for containing real supernatural creatures rather than people in costumes. You know who also said that? The one-star Amazon reviews. (laughs) Fuck you, one-star Amazon reviews. I was looking at them, I'm like, why would anyone like this? And it's all parents would be like, my three-year-old hated the real spooks. And also, too many confusing accents. That's true. There were very, there's a very many too confusing accents in this film. So Scooby-Doo had been a little bit on the wayside when it came to productions of it. It had been a minute since they had had a very successful Scooby-Doo TV show or really interest in Scooby-Doo. And then 1991 came around and Cartoon Network started running old episodes of Scooby-Doo. Did it really come out before the 90s? This came out, oh, yeah, dude, it's like from the 70s. It's like the heyday of Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. I had no idea because it was on TV so frequently when we were kids yes. in the mid to late 90s that I just sort of assumed it was contemporaneous. Those were all reruns, and I have a funny story about that later. Oh, right. So Cartoon Network starts showing all of these. Scooby-Doo becomes more interesting. The first, they do another direct-to-video film of Scooby-Doo. It's pretty successful but they decide hey we're gonna really push the envelope and we're gonna make scooby-doo on zombie island yeah so they went back to try and get as much as the original cast as they could um the first snag that they came into was one a lot of the people had died since the original production and then there was casey Kasem. okay and casey Kasem was the voice of shaggy what casey Kasem was the voice of shaggy and who's who? Who's this person? Oh, Casey Kasem used to do like he was the like uh, countdown radio guy. Like he would pick out what the top hits are, and he'd be like, "I'm Casey Kasem." Oh, yeah, that see. was his legitimate voice. And so it sounds like Shaggy. <laughs> um, so they tried to get Casey Kasem back, but he had recently gone vegan, and so he demanded that the character would follow suit and cut all meat and dairy from his diet. Oh. Fuck, I forgot. About that. Did you watch? The, if you've seen the film, Shaggy eats a lot of meat. Yeah. And also other things. Yeah, like a three foot tall meat sandwich. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, and then a lot of crawfish and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And they had already, you know, animated the film. Oh, no. So they couldn't really cut a lot of that. <laughs> oh, boy. Crawdads are a plot point yes, in this movie. They are. Yeah, they cut it out. You yeah. can't. That would be a substantial rewrite. So they tried. Casey would not budge on this whole thing. So they hired voice actor Billy West. Yes, I noticed that. Yes, Billy West, very, very good actor. Amanda, you might know him from, he plays a bunch of characters on Futurama. He was Stimpy in Ren and Stimpy. Oh. He played both Ren and Stimpy, my apologies, but Ren only from season three to season five. Goodness gracious, were they like, hey, this guy left, I don't know, let's just pay the same guy the same amount to do double the work. Sounds like my first couple of jobs. You might also know him as the Red M&M. Oh. Really? Yep, that's Billy West. Oh, man. The casting of this. Listen, I just figured out that uh, uh, queer icon, not because he's queer, but because he's a queer icon, Mark Hamill is Mm -hmm. in this movie, which was the only casting thing that I cared about so far. There are a lot of very good voice actors in this film. Tell me more. So the rest of the team are just kind of 
other people. They got Scott Innes to play Scooby-Doo. Don Messick passed away back in 1997, the year before this came out, so he wasn't able to do it originally. Uh, they had uh, just a bunch of random people play Daphne and Velma. And then Frank Welker is the only one that they were able to get to return from the original cast, and he played Fred. Right. And so he was really worried because he did the test for Fred in the studio and the producers kept telling him like, hey, dude, your your voice is too low. You're doing your voice too low. And he's like, no, I'm doing it the normal (laughs) way. I always I I am him. I am like Fred. Like this is just my speaking voice. And they're like, no, you, you sound your voice typically sounds higher in the episodes. And so they went back and watched a bunch of the original episodes and realized that he was doing the voice correctly. It's just that when Cartoon Network started airing the episodes, they sped them up so they could fit in more commercials. What? So his voice sounded higher. What? Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, well, clearly microphones have changed. Maybe they're more sensitive to the lower. No. No, it's just we needed to get them down to 18 minutes wow. instead of 21 or whatever. What a classic, like, boardroom man move. Yeah. Like, hey, you know what? We can raise profits by 20% by running them at 1.2 speed. That's why I listen to all my podcasts at 1.5 speed. There it, it is. It gives the podcast jamming into my my head faster for more commercials. There it is. Yeah, it gives <laughs> the podcasters twice as much revenue, right? And before anyone says anything, I don't actually do that. Thank this you. is a comedy podcast. Yes, that is true. <laughs> so, with that background in mind, I think we can get into the episode. I would like to say Velma sounded like a grandma, yeah. which was confusing. Yes, I'm sorry. That's typically, I mean, they kind of make her like that typically in the episodes. She's more just a nerd. No, but like she's a nerd. Yeah. But she sounded like a grandma. She you did. said that. You said in the middle while we were listening, while we were watching, you were like, why does Velma sound so weird? And I'm like, I know. Because the voice actress who played Velma had only played her once and it was in a Johnny Bravo, either Johnny Bravo or Johnny Quest. I have to double check. Johnny Bravo. Was it Johnny Bravo? Because in Johnny Bravo, there were a bunch of, uh, this is a fun thing. So it's funny that, I mean, spoiler alert, Velma ends up with a lawman at the end of the movie. Weird. But on Cartoon Network, they were doing like a bunch of crossovers. Yeah, like inter-cartoon crossovers. I remember that, yeah. And the one that they did there, it was like, A, canonically, Velma and Johnny Bravo were dating. Okay. Which was yes. bananas. So that's the only other part where this woman played Velma was in that crossover episode before she did this role. Well, that's a pull for Johnny, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's a lucky bastard because yeah. Velma's great. Well, he had a lot of feminists in his life telling him to get his shit together. Yeah. So thankfully. So let's open up. So we open on a creepy castle in the rain. Sure. And the or- the orchestral setup is actually really nice. It kind of slaps. It and it's does. it's very different from the rest of the music in the show. Yeah, they also have like a Smashing Pumpkins cover of the Scooby Doo theme. So it's not Smashing Pumpkins; it's Third Eye Blind. Sure is. Yeah, I was thinking even older than the very '90s band that it was. <laughs> Still very, <laughs> well, very that 90s. slaps. And I couldn't find the soundtrack anywhere online. But if if an enterprising conspirator would like to find it, I will gladly add it to my daily rotation. Yes, I I definitely think we can find it somewhere. Sure. Uh, that definitely fits with my first favorite, What's New Scooby-Doo, which is covered by Simple Plan. Yep, that sounds right. Incredible. Feels I love right. it. It's also a tight 75, which I did just yes, have to mention. It was top. 77 minutes exactly. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. was like, ooh, yes. Amanda loves a tight 90 or less. Yeah. I also really appreciated how we, as you're saying, Julia, like have a very creepy scene, a traditional castle, Scooby-Doo capers, and it ends up being a framing device. Like this is the end of an episode pretty much, which ends up being a memory Daphne's recalling on a talk show, Mm -hmm. which, you know, we love a framing device. And I thought that was really wonderful. Yes. And I think it's important to note only because it's my favorite part of every Scooby-Doo one, where it's they unmask the person and then they tell you it's the blah, blah, blah. And he was doing blah, blah, blah. So in this opening scene, it was the real estate agent who was printing fake money in the basement so good isn't so that good. what real estate just is though yeah am i right yeah mr beeman when his name was mr beeman too was it oh which was Jesus. great it was like i don't understand what the there's just so many things going on like, like he's scaring people away he can't put his money press anywhere else other than this haunted like scottish castle yeah i mean nowhere else no one will look there i guess you know and if he just keeps it on the market and, you know, printing money in a cold and wet space is really advantageous. Yeah. I In my head, it was in Europe, so I was, or it was like in Scotland or in the UK. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, keep making pounds. I'm sure they'll be fine in the future. Are you sure that there's not giant haunted houses and haunted castles like that in the United States? Not like that. Yeah, not like that. So as Amanda said, this is a framing device. 
Daphne has been running a TV show with just Fred. They were just like, he's the producer and also the only cameraman and only crewman. I'm like, how? This Why? sounds terrible. They're not even dating. Why is this happening? Dating. I was like, who's editing this? <laughs> Apparently Fred. <laughs> in camera. Listen, he has iMovie in his camera. Yes. So the gang has been separated for a year now. Shaggy and Scooby are working as customs agents. Terrible. Very good. At an airport. Very good job for them. Meanwhile, so they eat all the contraband. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Get fired. And then uh, Velma is running her own like mystery bookstore. Very good very idea. Good. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and then Fred kind of just calls the gang all back together because they're going to do a ghost tour because Daphne is like, we spent a lot of time unmasking fake ghosts. I want to find a real one. So I don't understand what was Daphne exactly getting at. So it was like, does she want to be famous? Does she want to find ghosts? Or does she want to have a famous TV show? Because I didn't really understand. Because if she was the whole time, and then there becomes the, the montage where they keep uh, unmasking ghosts. Wonderful montage. Yeah. <laughs> In and But it's like New Orleans flavored. Mm -hmm. um, and she's disappointed by it every yeah. single time. But like... Why wouldn't she lean, if she was like an influencer and she was like leaning into her own celebrity, why wouldn't people still love her for doing the thing? Mm -hmm. I don't understand why it was a problem that they weren't real. I think she's been doing the thing for a while and then she had this idea and she wanted to be like, I'm going to prove that ghosts are real. And Fred's like, sounds good. And they just went to do that, I guess. I don't think there was... I think you're thinking too much into the motivation of a Scooby-Doo character. I 500% was. Yes. I thought her motivation was was pretty clear. Like, she is getting a little bit burned out about doing these false unmaskings. And, like, they did it with the gang. That was really fun. Maybe on her own, it's not as fun. So she is sort of looking for something new. Maybe some, you know, authenticity, some, like, reminder of why she got into the game. I think it's just feeling a little bit stale for her, a little bit old. Yeah. That's fair. I guess in my head, I wanted Daphne to say the line, I spent so much time, like, unmasking criminals, I just want to take the criminals down. And then she becomes a lawyer that's i mean great i love it this that's, is the first instance that we see of daphne being like not the damsel in distress for once yeah so i'm a big fan of that she did a ton of running in the swamp in heels she though. did the she did like an arm drag on one of the zombies later on in the film it was pretty good it was very good it's wonderful and there truly is so much to get to so the gang piles into the mystery machine which is just the mystery machine but mystery fred machine. had put like a sticker over it and then he tears it off when the gang's all back together wonderful Why is the color the same oh it's because it's the same thing yeah and so they all head down to new orleans because there's lots of hauntings in new orleans um and there's a beautiful montage where they visit spooky places but they're all fakes as the music tells us <laughs> before the first guy is ever unmasked the music's like they're all fake they're just guys in masks this one was by seminal band Sky Cycle. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for remembering. <laughs> the uh, the crawfish monster is my personal favorite. Yeah, that um, one was extremely good. Yeah. I would watch that montage again. Like, I would just put it on YouTube while I'm getting ready in the morning. And the music, it's just, I know. it's a banger. It's extremely good. It made me feel like making a playlist that starts with Monster Mash. Not mm. necessarily for Halloween. Just, yeah. just for fun. <laughs> Fair enough. I appreciate that. That's, I respect that. So... They finally get to New Orleans. Um, we see the gang kind of like hanging out in the French Quarter and they meet Lena, who is played by Tara Strong. Oh, really? yeah. So this explains something larger here, mm -hmm. which is just like, Gooby-Doo got the cash. Yeah. And they're like, hey, any voice actors that are around, if you just want to like hop on here. Uh, I like that Lena, you could tell that she's mysterious because she has hoop earrings. Mm -hmm, of course, obviously. Yeah. I, some some problematic gesturing happening here with her characterization. Yeah. That's for sure. I do appreciate the like constellation of accents that we have going on mm -hmm. here because Lena is just like hard Southern accent. Just yes. straightforward. Even if you're in New Orleans, you're just a Southern lady mm -hmm. who's hanging out At here. At like a cotillion. Yes. <laughs> When we meet Simone later, she just is a straight French accent. Exactly. There's no yeah. mix. And then there's our friend Mark Hamill. Yes. We'll we'll talk about all of the accents going into it once we meet the characters. But um, yeah, so they meet Lena. She is a chef on Moonscar Island, which she says is super haunted. And Moonscar! And basically invites the gang over there. And then Velma looks it up on their database, yep, which is what, the internet? I'm not sure. I love it so much. Uh, and she's like, oh, there have been strange disappearances there. Let's go. They have Monster J store in the, in the back of the van. I was asking myself, like, 
like what access does she have that like national criminal databases weren't like i don't think the national criminal database like codas was a thing right now and also i don't know why she would know that and then cops wouldn't be like looking into these mysterious disappearances but then they were yeah they were haha Haha. Foreshadowing. So they follow Lena onto the ferry. Oh, wait, I forgot about this. Oh, sorry. Before go ahead. I before we get to this, uh, I also love that Lena's just a chef. Yeah. Because the only way to get Shaggy and Scooby to do anything food? is to be like, hey, there's food here. Come with <laughs> us, there's food. It's like they they play them both as so stupid. Mm-hmm. I cannot get over they it. They are though. They are, but not even enough like they're like dumb as rocks. Yeah. Which comes up various times. Yeah. But it's just like, hey, Shaggy and Scooby. I know that you like eating in this place, but in this other place, there is also food. There are hot peppers there. Oh, my God, the hot peppers. <laughs> so they decide to follow Lena um, to Moonscar Island. They have to take a ferry in which we're introduced to Jacques. Jacques, my favorite character. Do you know who Jacques is played by? Yeah, Jim Cummings. Jim Cummings, who also played a Cajun character in Princess and the Frog. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, good on you. I hope the accent improved. Yes. Because he leaned Horde. Yeah. Horde into that Cajun accent. It's about the same. So okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> but Jim Cummings is a man of many, many, many voices. So oh, this is just yeah. one thing in his repertoire. It's definitely like in that list of like special skills in yeah. his resume. That's all he does. Yeah. It's just different voices. I guess I was so thrown off by how Cajun he was going to be because <laughs> Lena wasn't. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, we're we got Southern people. And then Jim's like, oh, ha, ha, let's get on the off of my ferry. And I'm like, what? Jim, what is happening? Jacques! I'm like, this guy is a bad guy because I do not understand anything he's saying. Okay. Um, so- <laughs> oh, Let's get on the ferry. Right, so they get on the ferry. Uh, <laughs> Lena reacts poorly when she sees Scooby because her employer keeps cats is the phrase she uses. I'm like, yes. hate that phrase. Hate that phrase a don't lot. Don't like it a lot. Yep. Uh, this is the first instance where they say a dog and Scooby says, dog where <laughs> which don't worry will happen three more times throughout the film <laughs> rule of three that. amanda I no it happens four times four oh times. no <laughs> they cap- it's 75 minutes it happened that joke happens four times uh, so they also meet the weird catfish that mark hamill is obsessed with which you know i also pointed out i think this is the first catfish i've ever seen animated and you know i just appreciate that yeah all right yeah Fair. Sorry, her name is Big Mona. Yeah, please. sorry, Big Mona. Um, <laughs> well, please, let's lay, let's name the epic catfish. So the Big Mona accidentally makes, or purposefully makes, Scooby and Shaggy fall off of the boat into gator-infested waters, uh-huh. where they're saved by a crocodile Dundee-looking motherfucker uh, named Snakebite. Mark Hamill! Played by Mark Hamill! Snakebite, it was like Scruthers? Snakebite Scruggs. Oh, Snakebite Scruggs. I was like, "Mm, these names. He also has a hunting pig named Mojo. He does. He does. It's a very good name for a hunting pig, though. It's very good. Also, wild pigs are extremely dangerous. Yes, Yes, they are. They are dangerous. He had, like, tusks. He, he, like, chases after them and almost kills them later. So, like, I thought he was, was, like, a boar. Yeah, no, like, it is. I was like, oh, by the way, I own a wild animal that kills people yeah. in Macbeth. They no. kill humans sometimes. Yeah. Oh, no, I confused Macbeth and um, Game of Thrones. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I thought that uh, Baratheon and King Duncan were, were, gym- sure. were the same. Mm-hmm. Right. I bet the I bet the overlap of people who identify with Robert Baratheon and people who have played King Duncan in community theater is the same. Is significant. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, yeah. it's a circle. It's yeah. a circle. It was a Venn diagram. Um, but yeah, he called it a hunting pig, so I'm just gonna go with that. I don't, I don't want to spoil this because it's a 1998 movie, but Snakebite has no bearing on the actual plot. Nope. So when he, Mark Hamill showed up, I'm like, oh, if you like can recognize, I mean, he does have like evil person voice, mm-hmm. especially Mark Hamill did the Joker mm-hmm. in the Batman animated series. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you recognize that, it's like, oh, this is a bad man. Yes. He is going to be the villain. But then since he's... Uh, trying to catch a catfish, it's a literal red herring. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, the whole point of a Scooby-Doo thing is you introduce at least three or four people who are not the bad guys. Yeah. So that you get thrown off the trail. Well, I don't even know if we meet three people who aren't the bad guys, but... We meet two. That's true. <laughs> we don't look at all the people we meet. We just meet two. 
This, hey, the guy who was making po' boys for Shaggy oh, yes, of course. Not a bad guy. Frankly, yes. the ghosts, too. And I guess a lot of the ghosts weren't bad guys, though many of them were Confederate soldiers. So yeah, not great. Jer- you know, Jerry's out on that we one. We need to get great. back to that because okay. I had so many we'll questions before the, before the what exactly is happening dump at the okay. end of the movie. So we get to Moonscar Island. Uh, the road is super bumpy. We come across the plantation house, uh, which is, oh boy. The old, yeah. Just, they they just, only, just called that. In the flashback later, they only show white people working on no, it. No, no. Juliet, do they? No, they found, they showed one black woman. and <gasps> Not great. And it was just one and she was in the background. She okay. was in like one frame okay. of the movie. But I yeah. had to pause. I but it wasn't it. like, it wasn't as problematic as it could have been. I don't, I don't know which one is worse. Like I mean, it, it, I don't know which is worse either, but it definitely smacks of like, there are no people of color on the production team whatsoever. So instead of like paying somebody you're engaging with this, like wondering how to make it a plot and like paying experts to help them. Uh, no, they just showed nary a black person mm-hmm. in this entire movie. There's maybe two in the entire film. Yeah. And it's just, it has no bearing on the plot. There is this There's like... no speaking roles for them. No speaking roles mm-hmm. at all. It doesn't deal with like... It deals explicitly with the history of New Orleans yes. and like yeah. the many kinds of it's conquership. Yeah. And it just... Nothing nothing at all happened there. But yeah, that was my first moment where um, she was like, oh, it's been in my family for generations. And I was like, wow, so your family definitely owns slaves then. Yes. Like that's, Ooh, that's yeah. where we're at. So Amanda, we spend a lot of time on social media as artists, as podcasters, as people who live in the now. Sure do. So I feel like it's really important for people like us to develop healthy social media strategies. So basically figuring out like, when is a good time to go on social media, not being, you know, forced to check all of those likes and retweets and stuff every single minute of every single day. So I started taking a class with Arlisha Yetzer, who is a watercolor illustrator and YouTube artist called Healthy Social Media Strategies for Artists Creating Your Rhythm Map. Ooh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, and I started taking this class with Skillshare because Skillshare has a ton of classes designed for artists, designs for people who are looking to further their curiosity, their creativity, and their career. There's over 25,000 classes. So whether you're looking for a new passion, if you're looking to start a side hustle, or if you're looking to gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to help you keep learning, thriving, and reaching those new goals that you set for your life. I love that so much. And Skillshare is offering our audience access to all of their classes for free. It's unlimited. It's as many as you want to take and can take. That's at Skillshare.com slash spirits two, the number two, for two free months of Skillshare Premium. Yep. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash spirits two for two free months of Skillshare Premium. Thanks, Skillshare. And Julia, cultivating good habits for yourself really reminds me of something, again, that I know I talk about all the time, but I really struggle with sleep. I am an anxious machine. And my brain, whenever there is nothing else to focus on, loves to focus on all the things I have to do, all the ways though things could go wrong, and all the mistakes that I've made throughout my life. Um, so I really enjoy having something to focus on when I go to sleep that isn't a podcast. I know for a lot of folks, they do fall asleep to podcasts. Uh, but for me, it's work. So whenever I listen to a podcast, I'm thinking like, oh, it's a great idea. Or, oh, I want to do that. Or it like makes me have ideas for, for work. And that's not what I'm trying to do when I'm trying to get to sleep at two in the morning. So I am really grateful for calm, especially their sleep stories and their soundscapes, though I've been trying to get more into the daily meditation as well. And listeners today can get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash spirits. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash spirits. Yep. 40 million people have downloaded Calm, so you can find out why today by going to calm.com slash spirits. And finally, we are sponsored this week by Third Love. Uh, Julia, it's getting chillier here, and I am super excited about that. But also, it means that I'm wearing button downs most days, which for uh, folks with boobs can sometimes be challenging because those buttons just not placed where they should be. Yeah, or you get that weird like gap between the the boob and the bra and you can see it through the button-up shirt and it doesn't look good. Yeah, like when you want to show your bra and your outfit, freaking go for it. But at least for me, that's not what I'm going for when I wear a button down. So I am really grateful that I found Third Love Bras. Their perfect t-shirt bra in particular is really, really helpful. The straps are padded so they don't dig in. They don't slip down, which is amazing. And the band and the little like thing between the boobs stays right against your chest, which is amazing. and doesn't make me feel worried or or anxious when I am wearing a button down. Uh, and at least for me, I really enjoy the kind of minimizing effects. Like everything is smoother and sleek 
sleeker and makes my shirts fit a little bit better than it did before. Yeah, and what's great is they have a really quick quiz, literally takes 60 seconds to find out what the best fit and style is for your boobs in particular. Not everyone is the same size or shape as you see on the models and magazines and stuff like that. So I think it's important that you find the best fit for you. And best of all, every single customer has 60 days to wear your bra, even wash it, like really put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it. Third Love then sanitizes it and donates it to somebody in need, which is awesome. Yeah. So Third Love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order by going to thirdlove.com slash spirits and you can find your perfect fitting bra. That's at thirdlove.com slash spirits for 15% off. Good luck. We hope you find an awesome bra. And now let's get back to the show. So um, they come to the plantation house. It is crawling with cats, which Scooby then chases, which upsets the gardener, whose name is Bo. Yeah, Mm. Um, that's true. That's true. Yes. And they run into Miss Simone Lenoir. Yes. Just French lady. It just means the black. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's that's the representation that they they were (laughs) including in this movie. Uh, Oh, God. So we find out it was a pepper plantation. Uh, The house has, quote, restless spirits. Uh, The team hears screaming, but it's just Scooby and Shaggy who are reacting to eating the hot peppers. Yeah, I also love that in this this tight 77, we do get like four different instances, long, long, wonderful, generous scenes of them eating peppers and Mm -hmm. having hijinks. I... uh... The whole, th- the whole time when they were competitively eating peppers together, I'm like, what is Shaggy and Scooby's YouTube channel like? <laughs> it's just that. It's what was that guy who would just make like giant burritos and stuff like that, and then eat them. Oh, Epic Meal Time. Yep, that one. Yeah, but it's, it's just it's, that. <laughs> the talking dog. Also, this is another thing that I just cannot get over in the Scooby Doo universe, but. No one questions that Scooby can talk. Just that he's a dog. Yeah. I asked Ericus at one point when they were still in the streets of New Orleans and Lena is like, oh, is he good with cats? And Scooby just like talks out loud. I'm like, does she hear him? What's happening here? Would you like to ask the dog or the owner? Which I don't know. Is this like Star Trek rules where we all just have like universal translators built into our like comms or whatever? No, it's just the dog speaks English. I also want to put a pin in the peppers and the plantation, because it's something that I have a big question to okay. ask about at the end. Sure. Okay, so they run in, Shaggy and Scooby have eaten the hot peppers, which is why they uh, were screaming. The rest of the team gets a tour of the house. They stay in the kitchen. An orb carves get out into the kitchen wall yep. while they're in there. And then beware when Daphne comes back in because they scream again. Mm-hmm. And then Velma starts floating. She does. Mm-hmm. She does. Yep. And she's like, uh, I'm in a skirt, Fred. This isn't funny. Get me down. <laughs> uh, there's also a very gay scene where uh, Daphne is like, oh, my God, this is like such a cool thing that's happening. And uh, Velma is holding down her skirt and is saying, yeah, from down there, I'm sure it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, gay. <laughs> I get it. I get it. So reviewing the footage of Daphne in front of the get out beware thing, uh, they so see good. the ghost of <laughs> Morgan Burt's car. <laughs> just a full ghost. They just zoom in enhanced and there's a full ghost cavalry like, there. Let me adjust the contrast. I will give them credit. It wasn't just like, I'm enhancing it. He like he was like, oh, let me darken the photo a little and then yeah. create a With contrast. With his in-camera iMovie circa 1998. how expensive the camera was. Yep. yep. So good. Yep. So Shaggy and Scooby uh, get hungry oh, I'm so again. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I did call Fred the original Visco girl in my notes, so I just wanted to make Beautiful. sure I, <laughs> I got that out there. I just like how obvious the pirate was. It's just like Kawhi. Kawhi. Here <laughs> I am. Not, right not even a not even a, a blur or a smudge, just a full outline of a Here's pirate. Here's my cutlass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is my cutlass. This is my unboxing video of my cutlass. Oh, God. So Shaggy and Scooby grow hungry again, because of course, so yeah. they decide to go on a picnic. Velma investigates the carving and discovers that the house is made out of Morgan Moonscar's pirate ship. I should just like peel stucco off the wall. Yeah, I, I, I get With it. a spatula. And she like, she's doing it. And then she just like steps back and she's like, oh, I've revealed this. Oh, I mo- removed a lot of stuff. And yeah. yeah. Like, what are you doing about my wall? And to my like, kitchen. I'm doing mystery things. <laughs> yeah. You don't understand. Yeah. I mean, Daphne is very relatable though as she is just like so stoked about creepy shit and like wants to make sure that like her content's good i'm like yeah. i know I yeah believe in it. i know so on their picnic scooby chases more cats and they wind up running into snakebite again who then sends mojo after them so they wind up landing in a hole for some reason just a real a, big hole. an open hole um where they then uncover the 
body of Morgan Moonscar, which then reanimates and chases sure does. them. Sure does. They don't even do anything to it. They don't even like sneeze on it or like no, say a word over there. it. It's just out. Mm-hmm. This is the question I have for you, Julia, because mm-hmm. I knew it was Zombie Island, but I didn't remember how zombified everything was. Yes. So this spirit was like going around the body, put decayed flesh onto the skeleton, mm-hmm. and then it was a zombie. Yes. That is highly untraditional. Yes. Like the body is usually animated by different means. Yes. And it's typically a new dead person when exactly. it's, if we're talking traditional hoodoo voodoo uh, zombies. Right. And yes. at the end, it kind of makes a little more sense because it's more about the spirit itself sure. and the fact that we see the spirit a lot because it's green and it flies everywhere. Mm-hmm. And also sometimes it turns into a pirate ghost. Yep, sometimes. <laughs> because of course it's not, but it's not Scooby-Doo and the pirate ghost. No. Nope. It's Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. It could be Scooby-Doo and the werecats, but that would give away too much of the plot. That's what yeah. probably be probably Yeah. We, we do get like a very, you know, they're called zombies because there is a skeleton that was reanimated, but mm-hmm. it's like it's a reanimated skeleton, you yeah. know? Just, but I mean, like, is. you know, because it has flesh on it, that makes it a zombie. Like, if we're to, if right. we're talking about the classical, like, if we're not talking about traditional, we're talking about, like... Uh, like, pop culture zombie. George Romero yeah. version of zombie and onward. Yeah. Right. That's why I thought it was weird that they put decayed flesh back on the skeleton. Right. That was weird. I mean, the more traditionally, they would be called ghouls. Right. Rather than zombies, but because we're in New Orleans, they have to be zombies, I guess. <laughs> We're not going to... I think this production team has a lot bigger questions that yes. we need to interrogate them lowest, with. the lowest monster question. Yeah. So fleeing from the zombies, uh, Scooby and Shaggy manage to escape, but they run into the gardener bow. They do. Who's being creepy elsewhere. I will say that during these, some of these chases, they do have like a soft focus th- uh, style that they put in mm-hmm. where like the the like fictional camera angle, you know, will will sharpen on someone in, in the background. And I just really appreciated that. I haven't seen that in, uh, in much, you know, animation. And it was really cool. Bo's also cut. Bo's so rich. He has like hard angles. He's uh he's played by one of the guys who did the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nice. Yeah. I can sense from his artistic soul. <laughs> you know, a better reveal was that Bo was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Would have been better. Anyway, yeah. so they are forced to stay on the island for the night because the ferry doesn't run at night. Classic. Sure, why Classic. not? But like they own the ferry. I know. Well, they. I wasn't like, oh, you... Jacques works for the city of New Orleans. <laughs> Jack works on his own. <laughs> it's like you're going to one house on one bayou. I feel like you could run the ferry if you want. I'm sure he has other stops. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Shaggy and Scooby see the Confederate Colonel ghost in their room. Uh, Velma finds a basically like a property of label on the back of the mirror because why not? Uh-huh. As Roman Mars says, always read the inscription. And then uh, Simone tells them that this used to be a Confederate barracks. And that they existed on the yeah. island. Okay, yeah. this is another yeah. question. Okay. okay. <laughs> At which point I was like, yes, let's layer on more like unspoken echoes of white supremacy and slavery mm-hmm. that are only unspoken because you're not speaking about them. Yep. And like, I'm not a U.S. history aficionado mm-hmm. Twitter. So shut up. <laughs> but I'm just like, why do you need a fort in the middle of the bayou in Louisiana? I don't know. I don't know. Don't man. know. It also, just... didn't you look up something about Louisiana during the Civil War? Yeah, it was uh, it was like annexed by the Union pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but uh, who knows about the timeline here? There are there, again broader questions we have about the timeline. As a port city, I imagine that's yes. true. Maybe they were doing like weird guerrilla warfare tactics. I don't know. It makes sense. In the it bayou, just, it was just in the bayou. Yeah. And I'm like this. I don't know how this is related. Louis- to, like- Louisiana did secede, so there was a, a brief period of time of like two three years when they were uh, not sure. under the Union. I just didn't think it was like staffed up enough to be like in a plantation that's only accessible yes. by ferry. Yes, yes, yes. That it was worthwhile uh, enough. I agree. It was puzzling. Um, so Scooby and Shaggy eat in the mystery machine because Scooby keeps chasing the cats so they can't sit down for regular dinner. Yeah. Uh, but Being the cat- in a state of constant terror in 2019 also makes me hungry all the time. So. Oh, I love that. That was uh, a good screenshot. But they decide to move the car because the cats keep bothering them. They're like yeah. in the trees and on top of the car. And anyway, it's the first thing thing. I th- The thing I was thinking, I was like, Shaggy, do you have a license? No. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Shaggy <laughs> drive before. He's too high all the time to drive. I don't know. Somehow Scooby got a work permit. So the, the sort of like licensing <laughs> situation. He's a dog. He had a vest on. That's true. It wasn't like they hired him as Those a customs officials. official. They pass exams though. Yeah, all right. Scooby can this also is... talk, which is helpful 
for <laughs> for 1990. Listen, pre 9/11. I was gonna say, was working, was working the airport, whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, it's just a dog. He <laughs> just had to sniff out just cheese. a volunteer core. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, meanwhile, Daphne still believes that there are ghosts while Fred and Velmart is like, yeah, it's probably just a guy in a mask. Yeah. Which is always the case. So yep. I don't blame them for not believing. Um, Scooby and Shaggy are then attacked by zombies in the bayou and attempt to escape in the mystery machine, but it becomes stuck in the mud and they're again found by Bo. Yep. Bo just keeps showing up when the zombies show up. Oh, no. So the gang hears the screaming and goes to investigate. Velma and Fred suspect Bo, so they split up. Velma goes with Bo because Fred is jealous that Daphne thinks Bo is cute, I think. It's weird. Well, Fred also says that Lena is cute. Yeah, like, I know. Explicitly. It's, yeah. it's weird. They have that thing where they're like telling each other how cute someone else is, but hoping they're going to say that each other is cute, but yeah. they're just not communicating. Guys. <sighs> so they split up to find Scooby and Shaggy. Bo saves Velma from quicksand. Yes. Why not? You got to have quicksand in a Scooby-Doo. Of course. Uh, Fred and Daphne find the mystery machine, and then they find... Shaggy, Scooby, and a zombie. They then attempt to unmask the zombie. Very good. So this was another question. Another question <laughs> I had. Ahead. So now it's established that it is a zombie. Mm-hmm. But the zombie was like knocked out because, but how do you, how does a zombie lose consciousness? And then all of a sudden when all the other zombies showed up, and I guess the spirit comes through and, and animates the zombie, then it like wakes up. Because, like, they're all fucking around with the head. So we saw the thing when they're fleeing from the zombies in the mystery machine. They, like, manage to throw one off the van and it hits a tree and then it stays there for a second. Right. And then it gets back up. So at this point, Daphne had arm dragged the zombie onto the floor. So I think it was just, like, stunned for a moment. And then that's why they try to unmask it. I figured. And again, this is, like, not a zombie, more like an animated body from a ghoul. But it's, like, the spirit... The green spirit needed to be around mm-hmm. to put the spirit Moon in the Moonscar spirit. Then we, yes, exactly. We okay. also see here that the um, the bodies that are being animated hail from different time periods. Yes. So we see like a torso with a camera, more modern, mm-hmm. um, and folks kind of everywhere in between. The so, pirates, it, I think notably it's the tourists, the pirates, and then the Confederate. Uh, Confederate. I think there were some Union ones in there too, because I saw gray and blue. Could be. Could be soldiers Probably. from the Civil War. Yes, exactly. Cool. That does make sense, though. If there was a battle down there, that does make sense. Sure, zombies would be there. But at this point, it makes absolutely no sense. They don't reference why there are different types of zombies. They're all just zombies. Yep. It's revealed later. It is. That is one thing that I felt satisfied about because the whole time we were like, "Why is that guy with a camera? <laughs> this is where these reenactors like yeah. are these what these real pirates? What's happening?" Uh, so they split up again, fleeing from these zombies. They lose each other in the process. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby find clay voodoo dolls in a cave, and they're voodoo dolls. Of, why not, Julia? Of just Fred, Velma, and Daphne. Why not? Yes, because why not? Uh, so they end up picking them up and the team elsewhere is involuntarily like picked up start like hitting and slapping each other on yeah. accident classic, classic. paper very good Love there's it. one where just Velma just right hooks Bo and it's very good I'm just like mm-hmm. alright cool. Love that Velma's like I'm obviously not doing this and Bo's like gardener I'm a gardener Eventually, Shaggy and Scooby are forced to leave the dolls behind because they are chased out of a cave by a bunch of bats. Oh, that's right. Okay, so this is the cave. Yes. This is a classic Scooby-Doo thing Mm -hmm. that Shaggy and Scooby accidentally fall into where bad things are Mm -hmm. happening. Of course. I love that. It's just like, here's a cave that's easily slide into a bowl. Obviously. Like all caves. I'm going to figure out a major clue. There we go. So they all run back to the house following the sound of screaming where they find that the power's out in the house. Sure is. Mm. We're getting into the the like climax of the movie at this point. Uh, Fred finds a trap door uh, in the stairs, you know, by falling through them. Great, pl- um, great place to find a trap door. And he finds Lena. Uh, Lena says that zombies dragged Simone away, which makes Velma suspicious because she looks at the footprints, but doesn't say anything yet. Uh-huh. Um, so she confronts Lena later as they kind of make their way down this creepy hallway that's underneath the house for some reason. Explicitly a Confederate stronghold. Yeah. Uh, and so Simone... Just because, guys, they didn't have to make that choice. Just why is this happening? <laughs> so confused. And then in the creepy hallway and the weird chamber at the end of it, uh, Simone reveals herself by using the voodoo dolls that we saw before. Uh, which yes. the gang calls them voodoo dolls, but 
the ladies never do. Simone and uh, Lena never use the term voodoo dolls. Right. They just say dolls. I yeah, assumed, wax dolls. That's what they I use. assumed it was voodoo for two reasons. One, Nolans. Yeah. Also, they all do like. Yes. I feel like that's like par for the course of Scooby-Doo. Yes. Like if it's something that can control someone with only a little bit of their... Oh, that was the thing that I, I thought this was bullshit. So Daphne had her hair, mm-hmm. which is like very traditional. A piece of you is what... Is a in your mm-hmm. voodoo doll, but Fred was a part of his ascot. Yes, which he doesn't even wear the ascot the entire film. There was only yeah. one joke about it, yes. and then he put, because he put it away before he went down to dinner. Yes. And then Velma, it was her eye, her eyeglasses cleaning cloth. Yes, but Velma can't see without her glasses. That's true, but also like how much DNA is on that? So thing? much. I don't. Is I don't it? think. I don't think it's polyjuice potion rules though. I don't think it has to be biologically a part of the person. I think it has to be like part of their essence or something a go-to they hold item, on to something they hold the on to. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I assumed it was. Yes, like in. The uh, she even says Ameri- that's my eyeglass kiss cleaner. <laughs> yeah, right. In, in like American understanding of voodoo dolls, mm-hmm. I assumed it had to be a part of you because yeah. it's always hair or like saliva or um, like piece a piece of fabric. Yeah, yeah. Like so that. I yeah. thought that was interesting. I've, yeah. seen, I've seen a piece of fabric used though, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. It's more to do with like your uh, your spirit and less to do with uh, like polyjuice potion rules your body. Right. Listen, I know I'm nitpicking, but like as much as I want to turn spirits into a three guys talking about the Dark Knight movie podcast, I do need to bring up the, the monsters every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I will say, because I forgot to mention it earlier, the woman who plays Simone in this also played Catwoman in the Batman animated series. Oh, so she and really? Mark Hamill and also, I guess, Tara Strong a little bit are all like kind of interconnected. In the universe. Via, via this, uh, this movie. Yes. Anyway, so uh, Simone is waiting for the harvest moon to start uh, because obviously oh and um, is a cat person well, by the well, way we're getting there so she oh. reveals <laughs> <laughs> hold, hold on there's there's some <laughs> tease it out a little bit <laughs> she reveals that she's been kidnapping people for over 200 years uh-huh. and then she transforms into oh, a cat okay creature. I'm sorry I'm yes. sorry my notes were just uh oh Lena and a cat person that doesn't even sigh a cat lady yeah well now she's a cat lady yes now she's not full they're not full wear cat yet right. yes so they basically look like the vampires from Buffy yes. but with more cat like features cat, like if they were a furry yes like if Spike was a furry this is what they would look mm-hmm. like sure, sure. Um, so Scooby Refer- and Shaggy references <laughs> Scooby and Shaggy run in into the ferryman Jacques, um, oh who also transforms into a werecat. This is my goddamn cat. fucking favorite part of the movie. It's wonderful. Jacques has not appeared since the ferry, and I'm like, oh my god, if Jacques is a cat person, and that goddamn fucking voice comes out of a cat, I'm gonna lose my entire shit. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure did. But he's full cat. Yeah. Like, he goes immediately from Jacques old man, from Jacques middle-aged man, to Jacques werecat with Cajun accent. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, Mwah, mwah. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Jim you Cummings. So much. Yeah, it is really wonderful. It's like dark outside, so the yellow eyes really light up. And and for me, it was still impactful to see Lena and Simone eventually turn full werecat because I assumed that because they were like men and women, it was different. And like the lady werecats had boobs. So like I wasn't quite sure. I think it's a more the ladies had more control over their powers because exactly. they're direct Newer, worshippers and also older. they are older and more experienced. <laughs> right. And that comes up later because Jacques gets pulled yes. in. <laughs> Hold on, I got this. Oh Don't God. worry. I also love that Jacques has auburn hair or yeah. auburn fur, and it's, but he just has gray hair. Yeah, just make like, him ah, gray. As a young man, he had auburn hair. <laughs> there guys. you go. Fix it. In our werecat form, we are ageless. Okay, so Simone uh, tells us that she worships a cat god uh, for a bountiful harvest back oh, in the not, day. Not a cat god, the cat. Oh, god. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You know, Julia, from all of your studies, the cat god? Mm-hmm. Yes, the clearly one. identifiable figure. It's just folklore. One. They, like, landed there as settlers in 1757 or one of those. Oh, so she's explicitly a colonizer, too, yes. just so that 100%. we can yeah. just layer on that final, that final mwah, cherry on top. She's a white person. Of course she's a colonizer. Sorry. But, like, not, not, even, not even that, which is also true, but she's explicitly, like, a settler. Like, yes. I just, it was just such a decision. When, so, and also they throw on the sepia tone. Yeah. And they, go back in time so you literally saw them do stuff like in the first thanksgiving yeah that you style would see. dinner yeah, yeah. and so, that's where the one black person was okay great <laughs> briefly at a table um, they would worship the cat god for a bountiful harvest and the settlers were attacked by morgan moonscar uh oh, and- moonscar like from the island yes like from the <laughs> island <laughs> and from the ghost that we saw earlier uh-huh <laughs> so hey, amanda 
Just for all the people listening at home. Were you joking? <laughs> yes, I was okay, joking. Just, thank you. just joking. Okay, thank you. That thank was you. very good. I... I'm glad I brought my own peanut gallery and uh, and like against the reply guys guy. Uh-huh. Appreciate that. So the pirates. <laughs> Julia's just tired from trying to figure out. I'm just how trying to get through together. the exposition. The pirates chase all of the settlers except Simone and Lena into the alligator infested waters, and they're all eaten off off camera. Yep. Yeah. Um, so they decide to put a curse on the pirates and they become, quote, cat creatures. Uh, and then they find out after that they were also cursed by the cat god, because why not? Always a price. Um, and so Lena, uh, so basically they have to make a sacrifice and drain energy out of people in order to keep on living every harvest moon. And Lena has been luring people to drain their energy for 200 years. Which is why all the different time periods of bodies. There right. you go. Answered that question. I have like three big questions go that for I to ask. Okay. So, who do you think is the cat god? So, I think that these people didn't do any research. Uh-huh. Well, obviously. Uh, obviously. Um, but if we're going for, like, white settlers who are also pagan, I, like, the instinct is telling me Hecate. Oh, interesting! Because Hecate associated with cats would transform into cats in a lot of mythology. Would make sense to transform her women worshippers into cat creatures in order to gain revenge. All right, that's my theory. Okay, I'm sticking to it. I love that. Uh huh. Second question is a history question. Cool. Would it have been possible Mm -hmm. for privateers slash pirates to have tried to conquer? Fuck shit up in Louisiana. Absolutely. Okay. The the French had a big problem, as I can remember from my American history, uh, with pirates and privateers in the port of New Orleans. Okay. So it would make sense for them to be kind of like hiding out in the bayou where people can't really get to unless they have small ships. Wonderful. Here's my third question. This okay. is not a history question, but more of like a discussion mm-hmm. that I want to have with everyone. Sure. Okay. So in the in the first iteration, here's our do now for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Here's the first. So the first iteration is uh, the pirate people. Mm-hmm. So that they all die. Yes. Then I think comes like the I mean it's like in large cycles. Then comes the Confederate people who made the pepper plantation. That's what they talked yes. about the moon the moonscar peppers. Are they? The Confederates, I thought that was a separate, like, group, because the Confederate soldiers, I think, is later. They used the existing plantation house as a stronghold. So yes. I think at some point there were some kind of settlers, so the plantation, so that made a plantation. Go, so we went from American Revolution, yes. then we went into, like, the early 1800s, yes. where- Agriculture. Yeah, shit slavery. was off with the slave trade, mm-hmm. where they made the pepper plantations. Yes. And then the first time that you saw them attack a different person to gain their their- Life force was just this one white guy picking peppers. Yes. Which no one would have done. That's, uh-huh. the, that's the, sure, the, sure, the sure. slavery erasure there. Here's my question Shaggy and Scooby are eating pickled plantation peppers uh-huh. the entire time. Say that quickly, please. Pickered plantation <laughs> Shaggy and Scooby pickled plantation peppers. Okay. Beautiful. Shaggy and Scooby eat pl- pickled plantation peppers. Which they, they tell us are plantation peppers uh-huh. they did not need to. Yep. Unique New York. Unique New York. There we go. Perfect. So. After they killed all of the people who were on the plantation in, like, let's say round two. Sure. Did Lita and Simone look at each other and was like, yo, we should just keep this shit going. Yeah, like, yeah. Just, like, I don't want to die. But, like, like, then did they stop hiding and then they started being humans and then they had to, like, industrialize the place? Yeah. I figure. I figure that they just, you know, they're they're remote. They are not often seen. Lena can, like, go into town under different guises. Um, and th- I think they just, yeah, they decided to, like, wipe out whoever, d- you know, created this infrastructure and then, like, take it over for profit. Yeah, and I think, like, vampires, they can, like, you know, change identities and be like, oh, yes, I'm Simone's... Oh, no, I'm her granddaughter. Mm-hmm. It's such an uncanny resemblance. Yes. Right. I, t- I thought that too. I just yeah. thought it was funny. They're like, that's the implication was that they sell them mm-hmm. and they was jarred in their pantry. Yeah. Which is when Shaggy and Scooby started doing their uh, Moonscar pepper challenge. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I assume they sell some in town yes. because like, that's they why could, Lena was they there could have just, yeah, like preserved it. I thought she was for... picking up groceries to bring no. back to the kitchen. Yeah. She was getting groceries. It was just in town. like a general farmer's yeah, market. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Well, I figure that they, you know, were selling some of those peppers for profit, but they totally could have been jarred just for like home use. They you know, could also and, and just preservation. be stealing money from the people they're murdering once a year. Certainly, 100%. yeah. No, that uh, that checks out. Yeah. And I guess the only people who said that it was like famous moonscar peppers was Lena, mm-hmm. who is a cat person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't trust her judgment. That's true. Yeah. She has superiors. <laughs> no, that is true. 
Uh, do we have any other questions before we move no, on to the end like of the... No, that was like the entire sepia tone okay, section. Okay, great. I figure that was like the, the history, yeah. the questions that I had. So Shaggy and Scooby show up and the women further transform into cat people, like just full fur now. Uh, Velma and Fred managed to grab their voodoo dolls because they were being controlled by the voodoo dolls, which they tied up with tiny little ropes. Tiny Very little cute. ropes. Um, oh, classic uh, voodoo doll hijinks was that the wax dolls were too close to the very torch. scary i love that's like that's my fucking shit though that is like too body horror for me yeah, yeah. You know? the skin started getting very sweaty it was a little bit too much yeah. and then immediately move it away oh yes my skin will just boink like uh-huh. go back to normal right back to normal uh daphne tries to explain to shaggy and scooby that the zombies are the good guys which is again problematic because a lot of them are confederate yes, soldiers the relatable and helpful confederate <laughs> oh, soldiers <Jesus>. yes <laughs> Uh, Velma gets free and is able to free the others. Um, Lena and Simone begin draining Shaggy and Scooby, but Velma and Daphne have turned the voodoo dolls into Lena and Simone voodoo dolls and yes. managed to momentarily stop them. It's very good. Also, the the cat women are described when they're making like cat screeches as caterwauling in the subtitles, oh my God. which the is, is perhaps up. the best joke in this entire movie. Yeah. So excellent job, subtitler, wherever you are. <laughs> Um, so they manage to stall long enough, like they're not able to like knock them out completely, but they stall long enough so that midnight passes and the three cat creatures dissolve yep. into nothingness. They sure and do. then the zombies are released from their curse as a result and also dissolve. They do. Mm-hmm. They do. Um, and then Bo reveals very late in the game that he's a detective <laughs> investigating the missing people. This is the least <laughs> relatable part of the movie. Um, he and Velma hit it off for some reason, and they leave the island, inviting Bo to tell the story of what happened on TV. Oh, yeah. was, was there a part before the ending where the the Confederate general says, thank you? Yes, there oh is. I wanted to leave it alone. No, yeah. Talk about it. Listen, that's true. We also just like, you know, I don't know, this this decision to make cops really like hot and relatable. He was this kind just... of an asshole until the last yeah. moment of the yeah. film, though. There's just there's there's many choices being made. Mm. What I don't understand is that we've already like we've already introduced Moonscar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who is the like the new person, the historical figure that we need to think about? And usually, when they do this in Scooby Doo movies or Scooby Doo episodes, like you need to know one thing that is the history, that is the ghost, that's the mm-hmm. monster. But then we have to introduce this Confederate general for some reason. I feel like they were like, well, they can't all be pirates, but they could all be. They, they could, could have very well could have. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because. We have a luxurious 77 as opposed to <laughs> the regular true. 25, 22 if you speed it up for commercials. I think they also just had to like fill in the blanks for the 200 years. It couldn't have just been the pirates and yeah. then the tourists. They're like, hmm, what there else has to be something historically in the significant has happened in New Orleans in, in the last 300 years? years. Uh, uh, definitely yeah. Confederate barracks. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So that's Scooby Doo on Zombie Island, and then it just ends. I my I loved so much that Snakebite had nothing yep. to do in the movie. The only like, thing, hey, Mark Hamill. Hey, Mark Hamill. What what are you doing today? <laughs> you got any? You want to like be growly? Come bro? in for three hours, growl a bunch, we'll pay you so much money. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I think the only thing that Snakebite does in order to move the plot along is send Mojo after them, and then they fall into the pit where they find Moonscar's body. Right, but they could have done that with the zombies. I, but well, he has Mark to. Hamill. He has to like set off the zombies. Moonscar's body sets off the rest of the zombies. Right, that's right. Um, but, like he, they could have. What they could have pit for though? I don't know. They could have just had a wild boar chase them. Exactly. It didn't have to be Mojo. Didn't they say that the pit? <laughs> this is another fucking Sorry, detective ass bow right now. He, he the the reason with the pit it was that he was trying to dig up the bodies sure. so he could figure it out, mm-hmm. and it still was huge. It was like a it was like a ten by ten by ten foot cube. Also, the body was there. If yeah, you just, just fucking look, the, the hand was there. It I was know. just off to the I side. Know. Not not a good stratagem oh, for when you're like undercover and there's no you know like crime scene investigative team there. Bo was a bad detective. Bo, I don't know. Bo was eye candy for Velma, and yeah, you know, and it, also Daphne, 
And also Daphne. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, I do really appreciate, though, that Daphne is very, like, career-oriented. She's thinking about her content. You know, mm-hmm. she's thinking about, like, branching out. <laughs> she, no, she is. And, like, and, like trying to, She'd be you know, an influencer. Exactly. Like, she's trying to, to make kind of a step two for herself. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. There were two black people in the movie. It was the the co- the, the anchor, woman. yeah. It was the anchor oh, in the beginning. Oh, so there's and three then, then. No, those were the two. No, there's a third one because there's just... A black man who walks through the farmer's market. Ah, yes. okay. Yes. Adequate and representation. Very close up, and then everyone else behind him is white. And you're like, okay. Well, I don't love that we need to count it. Like, that, yeah. I don't... Ugh. Yeah, it's not great. Anyway, so besides the problematic stuff about racism and the slave trade and the Civil War, what did we think about Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island? I thought it was baffling for all of those reasons and distracting, but also incredibly uh, entertaining. And it made me want to rent all of the other Scooby-Doo movies right away. I definitely want to see the Cyber Chase one. Oh, Gotta 100%. do it. Uh, it, it, was, it was fun. I like Scooby-Doo. I had a great time. Uh, I was glad that I could experience this with Amanda. I totally forgot about the cat people. I wish that they had done a new, a different title, but I kind of like that it's the bait and switch. And I'm sorry to all the moms and dads who put this on for the three-year-old. And, the and it was very scary. Had yeah. nightmares. Um, the next one we're definitely going to watch at some point is Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. The Witch's Ghost. The Witch's Ghost. Not Take just a witch. Salem. A ghost. Yeah. Two, two monsters on top of each other. Yes. Om nom 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 nom. 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 Much like much like zombies and also cat creatures. It has both. <laughs> Love know, it. And as they say in New Orleans, oh ho ho! My name is Jock and you can get all over. Also to stay creepy. Stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors at calm.com slash spirits. You can get 25% off a calm premium subscription. At Skillshare.com slash Spirits 2, that's Spirits and the number 2, you can get two free months of Skillshare Premium, which includes unlimited access to all of their classes. And at ThirdLove.com slash Spirits, you can get 15% off your order as you fulfill your quest to find the perfect bra. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.